Welcome to the World of Wisdom podcast. My name is Amit Paul, and today we get to speak about uh, co-creative stuff and uh, collective intelligence stuff and uh, co-created decision-making and the perhaps we also touch upon sort of the topic of uh, the flow versus uh, structure and, and how they can uh, create conditions for creativity and, and like more potential in, in co-creation. We'll, we'll see. Uh, very, very welcome to the podcast, Thomas Herman. Thank you, Amit. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm curious to see where we're going to go today. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I, uh, I mean, we, we have a, a common context in uh, Legacy 17. And, and so I've kind of uh, had these uh, little experiences of you there. And also, I think you gave some training uh, also in that context uh, at some point on probably on open space. Not quite sure. But it was one of those things, and I was uh, intrigued. So I'm, I'm really happy to be able to dig deeper today. But I'll, I'll start us off, as I always do, with the very simple and light question. Uh, who are you, Thomas Herman? Wow. <laughs> I actually, <laughs> actually listened to one of your, or a couple of podcasts before, and I noticed that question at the beginning. And I started to think about what should I say there, and I still haven't figured it out. But I'm a human being living on planet Earth, um, uh, living on the west coast of Sweden. Um, I have two grown-up children and a wife. And I think I'm a person who looks quite positive at life and my circumstances around myself and try to take the opportunities that are to have a good life and to contribute also to uh, harmony on the planet. So maybe that's <laughs> one way to answer that question. <laughs> I like that. And, and you actually wrote something uh, to me about your uh, mission in your work life. Do you want to reiterate that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I work on formulating myself for myself uh, every now and then. And, and, and what I came up with some time ago was to, to uh, share uh, ways of working co-creatively uh, to all villages on the planet, kind of, something like that, I think it was. Um, and I bumped into this uh, way of working co-creatively uh, in the late 90s. And I was astonished uh, that I hadn't known about this before, just like many are today as well. Uh, and I got hooked totally. I, I, it was actually when I first uh, uh, bumped into open space technology, which is a very different way of working. Uh, and I was, was at that time employed in an organization, so I uh, immediately uh, started to uh, use it. I hired the person who started working with open space in Sweden very early in the 90s. Uh, I hired her a couple of times in, in the organization and then I uh, also organized a training for myself and some other uh, colleagues and then I went off inside the organization until there was, was not space enough for me in there so I went out and since then I've been working with this kind of uh, methods uh, to invite more of the potential that is available in all organizations, which is, uh, you can see me smiling. It's, a, it's such a joy and a, a privilege to do the work I'm doing. 
Uh, I, I'm actually just reminded that also that I often share with others that uh, usually I prepare everything the evening before for a meeting, could be a small or big meeting. And then when I go to bed, I just really long to, to go to sleep because I so much long to wake up the next morning uh, because it's, it's so much fun and it's so wonderful to give people uh, opportunities to uh, have such genuine connections and genuine meetings that that we can give them <laughs> or or serve them with uh, in the different ways that we work uh, so that's just uh, a little bit of a feeling i have around my work <laughs> that's nice that's really nice and what i'm curious about because i think at least in some of the circles that i hang out in uh, open space is being thrown around a lot as a as a term, um, and I've done a little bit of reading on it, but not very rigorously, uh, I have to admit. And I'm curious about sort of for, for you, who's been working with it for what like twenty plus years now. Then, um, what uh, what is it? What what is actually open space? And maybe what isn't it? as well. Uh. Yes, what is open space technology? I'm just, I shared briefly before that I'm just preparing a training uh, for the coming three days in open, in working with open space technology. And what we teach is actually, I mean, the method is so super simple or the, the meeting in se- itself is so super simple, but to use it in a, in a, way that creates sustainable results that takes more. Uh, so it's so much more than just having a meeting. It's the whole process of how we prepare before a meeting uh, and before a development process uh, and also how we follow up afterwards and support the organization afterwards. Uh, so so that's like a bigger container. But if we look at open space technology as a meeting, you, you can say it, it's a way to have better meetings <laughs> where everyone can contribute. That's maybe the, the, the easiest way to... to um, Say what it is, and on a deeper level, is it can also be a very transformative, and often it is a very transformative experience for people who haven't uh, worked that way before. Uh, it, it's both challenging and inviting, and the level of human connection is just something that some people never ever experienced before, and that's. Uh, just mind blowing for many people, mm. and in a very short time you can uh, solve uh, very complex issues. But it's a, also a whole system method. So, so the idea is to get the whole system into the meeting, uh, so you have all uh, all the different voices that need to be there, and then the the, the simple structure. Some people say that the open space is it's without structure, but it has a very, very clear structure. But it's a very simple structure. It's a minimal structure to create the space for people to uh, explore and to find the answers and, and solutions to uh, what's what's on the table, even if we don't really have tables in an open space meeting. <laughs> and, and just as you say, I also have experience and seen here and there that the word open space is used for many different things. And I think... That, that to me, I'm following very closely in the actual meeting to, to the teachings of Harrison Owen, uh, the originator of open space technology. 
so, so I advise everyone who wants to play around with open space to to get the book. Uh, it's called actually the book in the open space community <laughs> because it's uh, open space technology a user's guide from Harrison Owen, which is now very old, but it's. Uh, it's it's a very good practical book, but also you get a bit about the philosophy around the method in it as well. And I can also say that many, many books that Harrison Owen wrote like decades ago, they are so super actual today. The front I think they are on the on the front line even today. And they are decades, decades old. So he was a really, really um, early thinker uh, about organizational uh, transformation, development, uh, whatever term you use. So. So, so you said that it's, there is a minimal structure um, there. So what is what is that minimal structure? Yeah, physically, when you come into an open space technology meeting, the first thing that you see, it's a big circle. I've, I've facilitated meetings with a circle of five. I've facilitated meetings with a circle of 700, which was... Uh, 40 meters in diameter, the outer circle, and there were eight concentric circles within each other, and then a big space in the center. So that's also uh, something that you see when you come into uh, the room. And uh, in the center of the circle, you see some markers and some paper. And on the on the wall, you see the theme, the question: Why did we come here? You you have to understand it when you see the question on the wall. So it really has to have one one uh, inviting and uh, challenging maybe uh, question that that makes people come and that's also a thing uh, it has to be an invitation to an open space technology meeting so people have to have made the choice to actually come there to show up uh, instead of, in in sweden we have something we call that like we, we are calling people to meetings and often you get just like the date and time and you don't even know what it's about You're just supposed to be there mm. and that's not okay with an open space technology meeting you have to really explain why do i want you to come and what's the purpose and what's the theme that we're going to work around And then just to explain a bit more about the structure, I mean, initially the sponsor of the meeting, uh, the responsible could be the CEO, for example, is welcoming everyone when everyone is seated in the circle, um, shares a bit about the purpose uh, and, 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 and why are we doing this and how are we going to use it. Uh, and then leaves very quickly to the facilitator who just uh, explains for the participants how we're going to work. Uh, practically in this uh, structure and as it works uh, i mean that's the structure it is like uh, it becomes clear to the participants that that we there is no agenda it's just a question we just have a question we just have a theme maybe we have two days or something that could, could be meeting between a half day and and two three days and uh, we have nothing actually planned for what we're going to do these days um, so 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 that's open uh, in an open space technology meeting. But we do have a structure usually, uh, I, I do anyway, and, and the original way to work with open space technology is that we have a plan for how the days are structured. So for example, in the, the first day, we might have four time sessions of one and a half hours each each time session. And the next day, maybe we have another two time sessions in the morning, and then in the afternoon, we have space for for action planning. 
so, so that's the structure that we have. We have time slots kind of, but we don't have any content uh, planned. So that's the big difference. And I think it's really critical to have this uh, moment of confusion that happens when I've made the introduction to participants and I invite them to come into the center if you would like to put a topic up. And people are sitting often there and looking at me, is he kidding? Is this really going to work? And I also say that I don't have a plan B. It's good for you to know I don't have a plan B. So if you don't choose to put up any topics, we're just going to sit here and look at each other for, for this day or these days. <laughs> uh, and that's really like honest. I don't have any plan B. <laughs> so, 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 so that's pretty challenging. Huh? Uh, but it's also, I, I think that's such an important moment that, that everybody's sitting there and thinking, oh shit, is any gonna, anything going to happen? It's up to us now. Huh? Hmm. Uh, and that's a critical thing, I think, of, of the open space technology method. And also when I use it online, I also make sure that we have this, this openness and this challenging moment. Uh, and very soon, uh, the wall will be full of, of topics, ideas and, and questions that people want to explore. And everybody's just getting very surprised. Wow, I'm very inspired. Wow, how, I, I want to be in so many places. How can I manage this? And then Harrison Owen formulated four principles and one law, which also is kind of part of a structure. I, I say the principles are usually like uh, uh, guidelines for, for how you can work in open space technology. They are simply that uh, whoever comes is the right person. And that's for the meeting as a whole, but also in a group. If, uh, uh, if only one or two people come to your session, to, to your topic, uh, they are the right persons to be there because they're interested and inspired to be there. Uh, if 20 people come, maybe, oh, yeah, that, that's also, anything can happen. And maybe nobody even shows up and you sit by yourself with your topic and have a great time. Mm. Or you choose to go to another group, which you also can do. So that's, that's the first principle. Whoever comes uh, is the right people. Uh, the second principle, uh, whenever it starts, is the right time. It's also that creativity and inspiration is not uh, something that you can decide as a, a consultant that 10, 10, everybody has to be inspired and start working. Maybe sometimes it takes some more time. Some things are happening and whatever. But mm. whenever it starts, it's the right time. That's just to relax about that. Uh, the third principle, whatever happens, is the only thing that could have. So it's an invitation to be open, open to outcome and, and to be curious about what others bring into your group uh, or into your topic when you have other people come there. That's why I often also uh, suggest as a resource, I have a simple paper that the, the convener to a session can take along to. And that's a, a suggestion there to start with once around the circle that everybody says their name and why did I come to this topic? That's also a way to get this curiosity. And uh, then this principle also tells that even if I might have an idea about where my topic might go, I can also really work on staying open to see what others bring in. And maybe we go to a totally different place, which can be maybe so much richer also. So that's an invitation to use what's in the group and to see where you go together. Mm. Uh, and then we have the fourth principle, which is uh, when it's over, it's over. It's also a reminder that we never know how much time a meeting needs. Even if we have scheduled 
usually in the longer open spaces, we have one and a half hour time sessions. Maybe a group will be finished in 15 or 30 minutes. And then, of course, you should stay on and just continue talking just because uh, that's the plan. Uh, if it's over, it's over. Finish your meeting and do something else. Go and have some coffee, go into another group, go out in the sunshine, whatever you want to do. Huh? But it's a very uh, nice freedom that you have. Mm. Uh, and also, you can also turn that uh, principle around. And when it's not over, it's not over. And that means also that uh, if you have a two-day open space, you may have a group that starts working together in the morning the first day and they continue in that group for the whole time because that's the most uh, important thing they can do. Huh? And then, then it's not over for them until we kind of wrap up the, the open space at the end. So it's, it's totally, totally self-organized. And that, that's what I tell people when I... When the agenda is set, we have all the topics on the wall. People have, have chosen where they want to go for the first topic. And I just uh, invite everyone to have a great day. And I invite them back into the circle uh, in the afternoon at four or something uh, to have our evening circle together where we just come together as a community and share a bit about what we learned or whatever, whatever we want to share in the whole group. Uh, and then the next morning, we just have a gathering again to maybe get some more topics up if there are some more topics coming up. And then it's just self-organized again until we have the convergence part where we where we uh, identify the most hot topics and make action plans for the topics. Uh, often a very short report out from the action plans. Otherwise, we don't have any report outs. Uh, that that's, can can sometimes be a waste of time. Mm. Um, and then we have our closing circle as well. So there, there are some structural elements in open space technology. And I think uh, these basic ones uh, that I went through quickly now are really important. And I did forget the law of mm -hmm. mobility, <laughs> which is actually maybe the most important thing. Huh? That if you ever come in a situation where you neither learn nor contribute, can contribute, you have that feeling, then go somewhere else. So that's a very, very big difference from, I think, maybe most or all other ways of, of working together in a conference or in a, in a situation like that. That, that Whenever you feel that you're not contributing or learning, you're just free to move on to the next group. Mm. And I often say that, that that's... Uh, that's a law. Uh, the original term was law of two feet. Um, mm -hmm. And, and you, you need to obey that law. Uh, because if you stay in a group and you're not really engaged, you think about something else, you're not contributing in a group, you're actually taking energy from the group. So honor the group with your uh, uh, non-presence. <laughs> non-presence uh, to, to move somewhere else. So, so that makes very clear who has responsibility for you to have a great day and to... Uh, contribute the best you can to the solutions to, to why you came. Yeah. This is really rich. I mean, and, and so just to sum up, like what I'm hearing you say is that you have, have a foundation of curiosity, like this, this, uh, the question, the calling question, the, and then you call upon this sort of agency thing where you have this choice that people have to make to step in. Um, and then as people show up, then, then you as the facilitator just show the trust like just to to really have this sort of empowerment type uh, you know you you you're you're it you know this is it we're it um 
And then after that, you have these different principles that will help you kind of lean in in a particular way, it seems like. Um, but, but nonetheless, it's like, uh, and you have some help to, to sum up and to capture some points and, and so forth. But, but it's, it seems uh, it's relying on people's own innate ability to actually take responsibility, I guess. Yeah. Both takes responsibility and and also that they have the knowledge, the wisdom that we need. Huh? Yeah. That I don't yeah. need to add anything. I just give the structure and I have total trust. I mean, I, I don't really dive very deep into the topic uh, uh, because that's not my business anyway. The, the less I know, the better it is <laughs> mm. because I'm not the one who's going to come with any solutions. Huh? There's this question that I've been kind of playing with in my mind, which is, it came from a discussion with a friend of mine who's not really been looking into sort of the co-creative stuff. And then we talked about um, this divide between control versus mastery. Like, um, and so the, one of the, both of me and him, uh, we, we've both sung in choirs quite a bit and, and also been doing, you know, oh, dancing choirs. and stuff like that, you know, but choirs. And then, of course, it's like if you all show up at the same time and, and you're going to sing this thing uh, that you're going to be singing and, and uh, for, for a choir to be really good, even if you're just like, even if you're improvising as a choir, you know, the, the skill of the individuals that are showing up, like the, the fact that we've done our own work and like, that's extremely important. Like you have to, that there's like a sorting mechanism there, like on, on who shows up, that, that's going to have a lot of influence on the outcome of the, of the singing, even if you're not singing a particular piece, but just improvising. And I'm, I'm curious about that thing. And then as well, I mean, I mean, I'm hearing you say that there's the question and there's like an invitation, not everybody's invited. I mean, you're, you're inviting people and, and so forth. So, so there's like a, but how, how, how do you think about that? The fear of, loss of control or like not good enough uh, outcomes, so to say, how, how do you normally deal with that? Um, well, just one thing I wanted to comment on what you said, it was uh, regarding invitation. I usually uh, recommend to my clients that, that spread them, make an ir irresistible invitation and spread it as widely as possible. And then have a confidence that whoever comes will be the right people. Uh, instead of trying to think, okay, I think maybe those three would be good to have, but now no, not that one, huh? Because you, 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 it's just like you—you you never know who's really inspired and who really has something to bring, who has been thinking about this before, and so on. Huh? And I really like this uh, idea. And then, of course, uh, and that's what I mentioned before. Uh, we put a lot of effort into the. Pre-work before uh, such a meeting, uh, and I mean the first thing is that the sponsor needs to make an informed decision about uh, that that he or she actually wants to use this method mm -hmm. and this way of working and wants to invite in this way and have an understanding of what's going to happen and and also the sponsor because we we often say that that. It's actually the sponsor, uh, the responsible person in an organization, like I said, could be the CEO, for example, in, a, in an organization. That's the person who's actually opening the space. Mm. I'm just physically doing it in, 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 the, in the, on the actual day, 
but it's that person who needs to be aware about what are we doing and and so the pre-work is really important uh, and uh, I, I use a model which also comes from the genuine contact program which is a program that was developed to uh, use open space technology in everyday life kind of inside mm. organizations and uh, uh, the, the this six level model is a model to really make sure that you go slow to go fast to make sure that you go through all the steps in order to uh, reach a sustainable outcome so I, I use that way of just to help me think about all the different steps in in all the assignments i do and that also helps the sponsor to become aware about uh, uh, i mean first to to uh, clarify the purpose uh, of or, or the issue, what, what, what is it that we, we want to achieve here? And then, then, then to look at the organization, is it ready, the organization, do we have engagement? And then to construct something new and implement it and follow up and so on. So there are several, like four, three, three, four steps before we go to the open space technology meeting, actually, which is about creating the readiness in the organization. So I think mm. that's really... That's that's very important, and I also it happened to me several times that I also worked with sponsors who, of course, they did all the pre-work, but then when it was the day, they were really really nervous anyway because if you haven't experienced this before, it was like uh, I made a uh, facilitated a big open space in Stockholm a few years back, and and the, the in the in the opening. Uh, remarks from the sponsor it was very clear that 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 uh, this person was quite nervous and then at the end when the open space was over uh, the sponsor just said that i'm so happy i'm so uh, proud i'm so impressed i'm so astonished by what you did here and he said honestly i didn't know what would happen here when 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 you were invited to put up topics but just amazing what you created so that was a big aha and incredible feeling for the sponsor as well which is often this because it's really the sponsors to invite me in or invite any an, other facilitator in they're really really courageous so i really honor i really respect them uh, for what they do huh? <laughs> because you don't know what's going to happen huh? can a sponsor be the same as a facilitator or is that not recommended it is possible, but it's it's quite difficult, and we usually don't advise it. Uh, I mean, there are several things around it. Uh, one thing is that as a facilitator, I, I normally don't uh, go into groups. I don't take part in the work, mm. and uh, that can be very complicated. If you would be a sponsor, facilitator, and participant as well, <laughs> that's <Yeah>. even worse. <laughs> uh, and also to keep out of the content. That's also difficult if you're a sponsor. And also if you have very uh, strong emotions around the topic at hand, it can also be difficult to be facilitator. Mm -hmm. So we usually advise to find someone else to facilitate in, in your own organization. Uh, but of course, if you have some smaller meetings, of course you can do, but it's a, if it's like a big, big thing like this, I think it's good to have another facilitator invited in. Mm. And let's return to that question that you said, like an irresistible question and, and spread it as widely as possible. Because um, I, I, I have this, uh, I heard Nora Bateson talk. I pull a lot in her. I really like how she talks. And she was saying, it really matters which question you're putting out there. Like, and, and the example that she was using was that she had a, uh, 
if you as a parent are trying to get your kid through fifth grade, that is a, that, that becomes like, there's a, there are a few solutions there, but then if you would define it rather as a parent that you want your kid to be successful in life, you know, those are, those are two very different solution spaces, if you will, then, then, you know, if you want to want them to be successful in life, then maybe you can skip a little bit in fifth grade and, and like, you know, let them relax if they need to relax or, or whatever it might be and, and have some understanding, you know, if you really focus on fifth grade, then that's a different type of topic. And so I'm just the importance of questions to direct people's attention. Um, how, how do you get to a, cause I think that's the hardest part for myself personally, just to get to a good question. Um, like, what are we looking at here? Like, really? How, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, I, I usually work on the question together with uh, a team in, from from the organizers inside the organization, for example. Um, and of course, I mean, first we have to clarify the purpose and the vision and the uh, uh, whom we're going to invite and so on and 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 how, how is the leadership going to support all of this and then we come to the practical things which is also kind of to try to find a a good theme and i often explain a bit that it it's it's it can be it's good if it's inspiring it can even be challenging or provoking because the important thing is when people see this question uh it, it has to, uh, like a colleague of me said in, in North America, it has to turn you on when you see the question mm -hmm. that you really think, wow, this is something I really want to be part of. So, I mean, that's part of it. And, and that's, that it's an open question, inviting question. Uh, and then when we actually work on, on the formulation of a question, we, we, I often use a co-creative method uh, uh, where, where the group together co-creates the, the question. And then we can do some fine-tuning just to... To, to find the right uh, way to express it uh, that feels really inviting. And then we often test it with some of the people in the organization to just see that, that yes, yes, that, that feels really, that's something that I really want to, that, that makes me interested. So you also have to imagine that when people sitting in that circle, that question should help them to uh, inspire them to go into the center, which is actually a quite big step for many people. And, and 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 to take responsibility to bring their topic up so i think it's a really important thing i don't have really much more instructions than that <laughs> we usually come up with a hot and, and inspiring question from from that and and then the process to do it is also uh, uh, another very simple tool that we use to to co-create the question together and i guess I guess it's also a certain, like there's only a, a subset of people, like you say, that, that choose to step into this type of technology that, that want to engage in the world with, through this type of technology. Um, but it's still, it's still this question, like I was talking to someone that's been working in leadership for uh, quite some time. And then they said that they, they had, um, done a, a pivot in, so they were working with teams and they were working with a specific sort of more, more of like an agile type, uh, you know, organization, that type of structure. And, and then they'd had this process always of, of working with, you know, the leadership set the goals and then they'd been cascading the goals down into the organization. And then they came in and they did like a shift. So they invited people to, instead of cascading the goals, like the metrics, they started cascading the purpose. 
and then the teams themselves became responsible for the actual goal setting you know like that they got to quantify like what does it mean like if we want to reach to this purpose then and i'm just wondering you know most of the organizations where i'm in you have this number that you're supposed to achieve it's like 20 percent uh, you know increase or decrease or 20 percent more profit or 20 percent less cost or like i mean it's it's like a pre it's it's there's something around that zooming in zooming out that i'm curious about like how that how that happens like how you can widen the scope so that you can empower people to really bring their own knowledge and bring the bring their own lens because like you were been alluding to and like the the ways that I've experienced this type of technology when it's it's like you can come these incredible really surprising to me um other perspectives like from the left or from the right that that you you know they're really liminal in a way and you didn't really see them uh coming but that comes comes with the territory and that comes with an open enough question that's still focused so I'm, I'm just I just want to like <laughs> try to get a hold of something what's your experience there yeah yeah i think that's really important when you work with open methods like open space technology that that it's clear how big is the space that you're inviting people into uh, and that's also an important thing that that was originally brought into open space technology by Birgit williams who is the founder of the genuine contact program that i mentioned before uh, and that's the concept of givens uh, which is a way to complement the theme with clarifying how big is the space that we are inviting into. Uh, are there any givens that we need to communicate so that people uh, ha have an honest <laughs> understanding of, of what is the space that we are inviting into? And just as you mentioned, that there may be some uh, decided uh, things in the organization that you have to deliver whatever it can be it could be everything from the uh, a vision that we have we have made a three-year vision and and we we say that we don't want to change that vision for 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 now so you know that mm. <laughs> of course mm. you can talk about it but but we are in the leadership we have decided that that's the vision that we're going to work on now for for some time and then it's good information to have before and that could also be other things that some things that you maybe mentioned before uh, so, so that's uh, clearly stated, and there has been some discussions in the uh, open space community around uh, this concept of givens that 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 in in one way uh, having givens could uh, that's it limit limit put a limit to what can be achieved or in people's minds anyway. And in one way, I agree because uh, there the, the was actually in, in Gothenburg where I live uh, some years ago, many years ago now, <laughs> uh, they, they built uh, a replica of a very old ship and it cost like billions of crowns <laughs> to build this. <laughs> and if if there would have been an open space in Gothenburg uh, before that and somebody came up, let's build a ship for two billion <laughs> crowns. That would be totally out of all of the givens. So, so I usually recommend my sponsors to, if things come up outside of the givens, which people really are engaged in, uh, uh, you can still have a given that says that we will look at things that come outside the givens that, that anybody would want to move on uh, with, like when we go for action plans, if anybody would say that we really need to go on with this, but then we will look at it and see if it's any possibility for it, but we cannot guarantee it. Huh? 
because I think it's really important. It's just like when you walk out, it's like one of my German colleagues uh, made this metaphor that when you go out on a cliff, uh, I once been to Preikestolen in Norway, a 700 meter high cliff where you look kind of right down. And I was just shocked at how difficult it was for me to get even within 10 meters of the edge. It was just amazing. And if there would have been a fence out at the edge, I, I would have probably gone out and, and touched the fence and looked out. So, so that concept of, of the given, that they give some safety to dare to go into the uh, borders. Um, and it, it also has another uh, impact. It can have another impact. Uh, uh, many times we have a lot of uh, givens in our head that, mm-hmm. that we think that we can't do that, can't do that. Are we working some in schools? And, and when we looked at the the school plan or, or, or the, the, the regulations, the we actually noticed, yeah. oh, it's a lot of space in here. We actually can do a lot of things, but there were so many uh, givens in people's heads. Yeah. <laughs> so it can also actually create space by clarifying as few as possible that, that the givens that are really important to know. And then within that, we have all the space yeah. to, to actually co-create. And I don't know if that answered the question. I don't even remember the question, but uh, anyway, <laughs> that's where I went. <laughs> I like I like what you're saying because it's, I mean, it's the same thing. We've been doing this work now with reinventing um, an organizational form, like which is just, you know, kind of looking at legal stuff like company incorporation law and, and looking at like, what could we do different here so that it would be more generative and then, it's exactly, the process is almost exactly what you, I think you were describing with the curriculum, like what I'm hearing from that. It's like you look at all the stuff and then you think that this is what I can do. And, and usually laws are saying that these are the things you can't do. Um, or, or like you, you have to do these things, but then other than that, there's there's room. And so you can actually, um, yeah, if you if you slow down and if you kind of take a deep breath and, and, and come, you know, take a look at it from an, more of an, a purpose-driven or like an ideal situation, then you can kind of navigate the things that you are. There's like these little islands that are defined that you cannot do, but there's so much room in there to do exciting and, and fun stuff. And then, of course, you have to like debate and, and argue and, and like make a good case for it uh, against the authorities in the end and saying like, well, this is why we think we should be able to do this differently. And, and I know that people normally do it this way, but we are still within the law and so forth. So there's like a certain level of motivation that we have to do, but that's like a reconstruction that we can do after the fact um, once we've found this uh, space. And, and, you know, there's so much like that in the world, I think, where there are, it's like when you play golf and, and you are on the tee and then you see the water thing and you say, don't go in the water, don't go in the water, don't go in the water, you know, <laughs> and then you hit the water. Or if oh, you yeah. say, I'm going to hit the, the huge space right next to it, which is much, 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 much bigger, you know. But it doesn't look like that from the T. So, you know, if you if you just focus on the on the right thing, then yeah, that's exciting. That that there are often solutions in the system that that nobody knows. But if you invite in such an open way of working, uh, uh, then then there's a much bigger uh, possibility for it to emerge and to to find the solution good solution but because that's the that's my question then it's like the next step like you you mentioned the the going into the action planning and and like actually acting upon what you found 
in the open space. And um, again, like my my uh, prejudice come in and I'm like, that should be difficult. I mean, there's so many meetings with great ideas that never lead anywhere. <laughs> like, <laughs> how, how do you take that step for, for actual? Is that part of defining the space as well? Part of what? I didn't you said you said before that you have to decide, uh, you have to define the size of the space, like with the givens uh, that that you have certain things that you won't touch, and then like how big the space is. And I was wondering, is the action, the time for investment in action in the end, like is that also part of designing the space, or is that something that you leave for, for later because you cannot know? Yeah, I, I would say. Um how we're going to invite to actions that has to be part of the givens as well i mean if 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 a given would be that that the leadership team will will look at the result from the open space and then we decide how to move on yeah (laughs) that could be given maybe i would back out of that organization because that's not how how i want to work but uh, i mean from there to totally open that could be different i worked in a hospital once at they they were working on an issue uh, where they already had a lot of projects going on. So one of the givens was that that the action plans has to be synchronized and see if they can can collaborate or work together with a project that are already going on. So there were not parallel processes. So, hmm. so that's an example of that. But that has to be has to be thought through. And uh, just I agree with you that many many meetings they don't. Uh, uh, lead to any uh, sustainable action, and I think that uh, that I mean every meeting I facilitate, I have a part at the end where we actually decide what's our next steps and who takes responsibility for what and who wants to to join uh, any initiative that comes up and so on. And that's kind of the similar way that we work at the end of an open space as well, usually. And there are many different ways to do this convergence part, where you kind of. Uh, uh, Define what's most important to to or wh- 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 where's actually the energy to to move on. Uh, that's actually how we formulate it often. Because uh, wh- where there's energy, energy that there is the possibility that actually something will happen. If we just define the most important topics, but nobody wants to do anything with them, <laughs> then it's just not leading anywhere. Hmm. Um, so there are different ways to do that, and and sometimes we use a, a method to get the picture of where's the energy in the group as a whole. And and just I mentioned a conference, uh, an open space uh, before in this talk uh, with these 300 people with what was in Stockholm. There, there we actually did a dot voting process, which is a an old way of of doing the the prioritization, uh, which was. Uh, uh, one of the first ways that it was done, I think, in open space when you used open space technology, and it's fun to do it even with a group of 300 people. And we have uh, we had reports of flip charts uh, spread all around the huge room. There was quite a lot of space, and then people had like five dots each, and they were going around and 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 seeing what w- what is the most important or the most engaging topic for me, and put the dots out there, and then then just as I always. Uh, try not to work too much and try to to engage the people I work with. I asked a few people to help me to summarize the dots, and that was really quickly we could see which got most and so on. So that was uh, that, that, that's a way to get a picture of where is the energy in the group as a whole. It could be interesting to have that uh, uh, knowledge about uh, where is the energy as a group as a whole. 
Uh, then, then what I usually invite to when we decide what topics are we actually going to work on. Now we have this picture. Um, then the next step is to invite everyone. We usually go back into the circle again and put paper and pens in the center again. And then I say, okay, now we worked for a day. Now, now we had had great conversations for a day and a half. Now we have another half day. And now the question is, is there anything that you want to move from this conversation to actually action? In that case, you just come into the center, write your name, write your topic. This I, I'm, I take responsibility to make an action plan on this topic. Mm. Put it up on the wall, and then usually maybe we have like two time slots, a little bit less time. And uh, that's also part of the structure that we talked about before, that in open space technology, in the actually uh, explorative part of the meeting, I always make a circle of chairs. And I don't like to have a flip chart board I, I, I usually give people possibility to use a, A4 to just make notes during the conversation and then go to a, a, a station, I call it news station, to write on the flip chart. And usually several people come and help out and they formulate together and so on. It comes like a two-step process, so it gets mm -hmm. a bit more structured. Um, let's see, how, how did I get there now? Now lost my 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 thread. What 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 where, where was I before I went there? We were going to to action, and and you mentioned that you reopened the space, so to say. Or, or you know. yes, yes, yes. And that's the distinction I wanted to make. That that in the actual conversation in the open space technology meeting, I make a circle of chairs, and then when we go to action planning, I often make a U shape of the chairs, and then we can have flip chart board, and then we have an action plan sheet which says. What, what, what are we going to do and whose responsibility, when it's going to happen, who wants to join? Um, so, so we have a very focused maybe half hour or 40 minutes or something to just make this action plan, not start to sit in a circle and talk and talk and talk again. Huh? Now, we had those explorative conversations already. Now it's time to, to uh, actually clarify what are we going to do now. Yeah. Uh, the, the hospital I mentioned before, we had actually... Um, two uh, open spaces, one week in between. Of, there were two days, each of them, because they couldn't get all the staff off uh, at the same time. So they worked like uh, 150 people each time. And, and they came up with 20 action plan actions each uh, in these two groups. Then we had a follow-up meeting where we kind of see, uh, can, we, can we merge some of them or how do we organize ourselves? Uh, and then, then we also had... Uh, I mentioned report outs, and it's important to do that in a quick uh, way. So it's, it, that can take like two hours if you don't organize, if you don't manage it somehow. Mm -hmm. and, and I have a very nice process there. It's an example of like small, simple tools. It, it's like the the, the person who is, is everybody stands in front of their action plan. The person who is lost, he, he gets a watch or a clock, and it takes you have one minute for the first person to to present. Uh, the action plan. And it's just like, we're going to do this and that. Who is responsible for moving this plan forward? That, that's an important part of the action plan. Because usually, when if you bring up a topic for action planning in the circle, that means that you take responsibility to make the action plan. It doesn't say that you are the one who's going to follow it through all the way. That is decided in the group, when the group makes the action plan. No? So that's an important. So, so that person is actually presenting the action plan in one minute. And says, who is the responsibility? I also always ask, and who is the responsibility? Uh, otherwise, we could just throw it away if they didn't 
clarify who's responsible. And then that person gives the clock to, or keeps the clock and takes the time for the next person. Okay, one minute, and then leaves the clock to that person. So this self-organization and this this uh, responsibility, I always try to give it to the group. So I, I don't stand there with the clock. Okay, now you have to stop. Huh? Uh, that's it's, it's such a beautiful way to work. You just see that they manage everything themselves. Huh? And it takes 20 minutes to, to present 20 reports in that way. Yeah. And I love just, I just wanted to like double click on what you said about the, the shape of the chairs, because you have the circle, which is an invitation to actually discuss, to come together, to, to put people in focus, because you're looking at all the people. And then with the U-shape, I mean, it's still circular, so you can still have a, a good view of a lot of people, but still uh, you have a focal point, which would be then the flip chart or like the, the, the front or the stage or like where it is, you know. Um, but it's not, it's never in the, are you ever, do you ever use the, the rows, like the theater setting that we have? Like when you, when <laughs> it's that rows of chairs, is that, when do you use that? Oh, no, I don't think, I don't think I've, <laughs> I've uh, worked in a setting like that for, for <laughs> 20 years plus. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's another story, of course, uh, different settings that sometimes when I am invited into an organization to, to facilitate maybe some of the pre-meetings. And, and then we come into the room and it's, once I remember it was a big, big U-shape room. We were like five people in the meeting and they actually started to sit down in this huge U-shape. It was for 20, 25 people. And I just uh, asked, is it, would it be okay to just take the chairs and make a small circle here at the, at the corner instead? And they did it and we had a great meeting. But yeah. I can't even imagine how the meeting would have <laughs> ended or would have, how I could have facilitated it in a nice way. Yeah? So, wow. And, and it's just really important. I've been to open space technology meetings where people use the flip chart stand in the uh, explorative uh, uh, part of the meeting. And I notice what a difference it makes. So that's a detail that I'm very, very care careful about. And so open space technology can be look so different in different settings, depending on the understanding that you have and the priorities that yeah. you have. And I think you're also very nicely sort of highlighting the importance of like when you facilitate something to take a look at all of the different uh, things. Because I mean, ev everything that you do are creating a certain affordance or, or um, it, it directs our attention. And our attention is really, I, I joke and say like, I don't believe in all this hippie stuff about sort of the law of attraction, but I do believe in the law of attention. Like, you know, how, however our attention is directed, that's what's going to steer a lot, you know, and, and indirectly that would be attraction but nonetheless uh, yeah and i even heard about open space technology meetings where, where people sit in rows as well huh? so, so i mean and, and that to, to me is just not possible to to create that that uh, same energy and and uh, that's very same results if you if you don't have those basics in place so. mm -hmm. um you mentioned now the dot voting and, and I know I, I have a curiosity about another method that you're working with, which is called the five to fold for, for uh, sort of a, a different way of decision making, I, I guess. Or um, would you say, uh, help me out? <laughs> I want to bring that in too. <laughs> yeah, I just had a conversation with, uh, just as an example, I just had a conversation with a, a director for a different hospital uh, that I'm working with. Uh, where uh, 
this director shared that 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 the leadership team meetings that they have uh, sometimes they get some uh, I don't know how to say in English uh, so directive uh, like guidelines or or uh, yeah, directives yeah, even directives yeah, yeah like yeah, laws maybe directives they have to. It's the same word yeah. yeah yeah that they have to obey they have to have to f- organize themselves in order to fulfill these directives and and they have the a leadership meet team meeting and they talk about it and and then uh, uh, okay they things going to happen one of the the leaders uh, in in one department might really go for it and do it and the other one thinks now that we don't have time with that now and so on and uh, at at other times he also shared that uh, we talk and talk and we never get to any decisions mm-hmm. and and so many many things like that i hear many many times from uh, uh, leaders and organizations and i think so i really think that that's a very very common problem in the leadership teams but in all teams uh, there are problems how do we get to decisions mm. and often people come from meetings and they think some think that we made a decision. Some think, no, did we? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and so on. Huh? So, so, so there, there's no clarity around when do we make decisions, how do we make decisions, and who do, who makes decisions, and so on. Huh? So, so this method five to fold decision making is, uh, uh, I think, a wonderful way to make conscious deci- for, for conscious decision making, uh, where you uh, empower uh, whoever is in the group to make the decision. To use the wisdom that they have and to arrive at the decision that is best for for for, for the group or that 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 that, that uh, fits for the group right now. And so, uh, one thing that is really important when you use this method is that you have a clear purpose for the group or for the organization. Because if you don't have a clear purpose, uh, then it can be difficult to make a decision <laughs> uh, if it's an important decision, uh, especially. So that's also when you use this decision-making method, you might have to do some groundwork as well in the organization to, to create that clarity around purpose. And also that the leaders uh, who bring this way of making decisions in, that they are also aware and that they have the trust in the wisdom of the group or the wisdom of the circle. Because here, uh, this decision-making method empowers everyone in the circle to... Uh, Put his or her veto into if 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 I think that this proposal will harm our purpose, then I should uh, make a fold, which is a fist uh, uh, on on your breast, usually like this. That means that I'm not okay with this moving forward as it looks right now, uh, and, and that's really important for the one who comes with the proposal and also for the leader in the organization to actually celebrate when somebody uh, dares to step up and say that this is not something that I can uh, be part of that because I think it's harmful for our purpose. And uh, that kind of behaviors are usually not really celebrated in organizations. Um, And then the actual method is also, I mean, I I think you mentioned before that I I usually say that I work co-creative for sustainable results and also the practical aspects. So I, in Sweden and Scandinavia right now, there's a lot of talk about trust-based leadership and management. That's a very, very popular term in in, in Scandinavia. And it was actually in Sweden also, uh, there has been some state-funded research and, and a lot of work 
because to, to bring this out into the public organization. And I think it's really much good in there, but I haven't seen anything about changing the way that meetings are run. And, mm-hmm. and also in a meeting, you make decisions. So that this decision-making method and also open space technology are wonderful things that organizations start to use in Scandinavia as well. But I think in connection to this trust-based way of working, this is just amazing because it, it really, uh, Fire to Fall, uh, really builds trust, but it also needs trust in order to start using it. <laughs> so that's a little bit of a maybe a, a, a dilemma uh, that you need, need to have a level of trust in order to dare to use it. Just as open space, you, you need to trust in your people in order to dare to use open space. So, um, so if you like, I can walk you through quickly how, how it's actually used practically. Yeah, how please. It can, yeah? Uh, and just to give a context, it was developed originally by a, a man called Chris Weaver in, in uh, North Carolina. Uh, he actually, he uh, sadly passed away some years ago, but I worked closely together with him and he was also part of this genuine contact community. So that's we have been experimenting and learning a lot in that community by using the method in our own organization. We have an international consulting organization there. Um, and Chris also had inspiration from uh, working a lot in, in indigenous communities and learning a lot from uh, uh, um, how uh, decisions are made there. So this is inspiration from different ways in this way. And practically how it works, that it is that you have uh, you have a facilitator for the meeting, you have a sponsor for a proposal, it can be a person or a group of persons who brings a proposal, and you have participants who have the right to make decision, and that has to be clarified beforehand. If everybody in the group has the right, if it's a board of directors, for example, and some other people are there, they might be part of the meeting, but they can't actually vote at the end, which is the decision-making. And we, in, I'm working right now since the uh, last two years together with a colleague, Marai Kiele from Germany, and we are bringing this uh, method uh, more out into the public because it's not so well known yet. And uh, one of the things that we discovered is that the importance of the, the leader or, or also the sponsor of the proposal to clearly express at the beginning that we really want you to look into your heart and to... Uh, bring into this decision-making process your full self and, mm. and, 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 and follow, follow what has heart and meaning to you. Uh, and so that is clearly expressed at the beginning uh, and that there also is a plan for how do we handle, if there is a fold, how do we handle that afterwards? That's some learnings mm. that we have had in our journey with this method. So the first thing that happens is that the uh, the person or the persons who have a proposal, they present the proposal and it has to be very clearly, this is a proposal, but then of course you can explain and inside organizations you may also develop some different ways to prepare proposals. Uh, for example, in this genuine contact organization, we have a, a draft proposal meeting before the actual decision-making meeting to, mm-hmm. to, to check a little bit how, 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 do we, how, how does it feel to you and so on. The proposal is presented. The next step is that the facilitator invites each participant to come with clarifying questions. Mm. And clarifying questions only. Did you understand the proposal or not? Do you have anything that you 
don't understand. What is your question then? So it's very, very strict facilitation there. Mm. Uh, so if anybody starts to to uh, express emotions or what happens if and so on, no, 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 wait. You will have your chance to express whatever you want to express later on. Now we mm -hmm. only have clarifying questions. And then uh, the the person or persons who made the proposal may, after the clarifying questions, uh, go back and make some changes and then put it up again and so on. So if there are some unclarities that need to be clarified. Mm. Sometimes there are no real clarifying questions. Okay, the proposal is very clear. Let's move on. And then we go on to the next step, which is the listening circle. And we, as I said, circle, of course, we sit in a circle also when we use this method. So uh, then the facilitator passes a, a talking object around the circle. And the person holding the object can speak whatever you feel, your emotions, your ideas, your thinking around this this uh, this uh, proposal or what do you think about it uh, and then when you finished you pass it on so it mm -hmm. goes once around the circle and usually i also when i come back to me as a facilitator i put it into the center of the circle again and uh, if there are any more comments before we go to the actual voting then you can go into the center say what you want to say and put it back again until everybody has said what what they want to say then the next step is to actually go to the voting and, and also i can just mention that also after the the listening circle the proposal uh, the sponsor for the proposal may choose to make some changes of course as well then it has to go through the clarification again and so on just to make sure that it's understandable and then we go to the voting and the voting is uh, uh, explained like this uh, if you vote with we will vote on the same time, everyone. And if you show your five fingers, that means that you um, support the proposal 100% and you're willing to take leadership to implement it. Mm. And that's an interesting aspect that you, uh, some leaders may emerge in the process, which is really helpful for me who brought the proposal that I know, okay, two other people here really want to implement this together with me, yeah? Mm. And I have some examples of, of, of how, how, what a difference this can make. If you show four fingers, it means that you support the proposal 100%, but not necessarily take leadership for it. Three fingers, the proposal is okay. Two fingers means that you have some uh, objections or some uh, reservations around the proposal, but you still support it. You will support the implementation. And you will also share about your uh, concerns. And then if you show one finger, it means that you have some major concerns. You have some real worries about this proposal. You are not going to subvert. You're not going to work against it. So, so, so you still kind of support it, but <laughs> you have some really big objections, which you're going to share as well. And then if you show the fist, uh, the fold, uh, that means that you uh, cannot see that this proposal goes through without uh, it harming our basic purpose of the group or organization. And that means that the, that, that the proposal is right, right now not becoming implemented. So, and then, then usually what happens is that the uh, person who brought the proposal forward and the person or persons who folded they can have a meeting and see if they can figure something out. And that happens sometimes that we did figure something out. We changed the proposal. We came up with a proposal again and it went through. And everybody was really happy and engaged. <laughs> mm. 
And of course, the decision-making meeting can be a meeting in itself. It can be part of a bigger meeting and so on. But it's important that, that it is in a climate of a co-creative climate where you work in circle and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, it can also be used in other like more traditional settings around a big table and stuff like that. But it makes a big, big difference. So that's what we recommend, uh, that you have some other type of meeting format uh, ready. So that's the practicalities of it. <laughs> I'm hearing a lot of inspiration or like similarities from some of the proposed decision-making processes in both like holacracy and sociocracy. I mean, there are like similarities both in the meeting design, but also in, in the in the structure of it, I think, especially from holacracy. Uh, but then the actual voting part is a little bit different. I think it might be clearer than what I've heard from, from them. Yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. I I think I think I need to start rounding us off. Unfortunately, it feels like there's a lot more here. But I I had sort of two questions that came up um, earlier. If because there's a certain you you speak about the trust and you speak about it. Uh, you speak about this co-creative climate uh, now that there's like a, a genuine intention of actually having co-creation. That seems to be a prerequisite for for both of these technologies that we've been discussing now. Um, so my question was sort of when, if an organization is a, a normal organization, they're working in a hierarchical manner, they haven't really tapped into these types of practices before, when uh, is a good time to try? Like what type of decision-making process or like what type of, of thing, like when should you, when can you try this thing? Uh, like when, in, in your experience, like when, what's a low-hanging fruit for, for open space or for more co-creative decision-making? Yeah, well, one example is when I was uh, uh, traveling with my children and their respective some time ago, we, we, we were standing and, and, and talking about, should we go to this restaurant or that restaurant? And then my, my son-in-law, uh, he said, but maybe we could use this five-to-fold thing that Thomas always talks about. <laughs> but just the voting part of it, he was very clear about the voting part as well, because I'm very clear. Either we use the whole process or if we just, sometimes make a little bit uh, uh, adaption. We, we maybe only use the voting part, but th- that's a bit dangerous if it's an important and difficult <laughs> topic. But in this case, it was, should we go to this restaurant or not? And then we, we, we showed what we, if there was a fall, of course, we couldn't go, but otherwise we could, could make a good decision about it. Huh? But it can, it can be used in very simple uh, <laughs> situations as well. But uh, maybe that's the kind of situation that you could try it out in an organization just to to, to start to get the understanding of what it actually is because it's really important that the leaders and that's I think that's maybe that's the thing that, that the leaders in the organization they have to be curious to uh, find new ways to work to get more engaged employees and to use more of the wisdom available and so on to start to build more trust in the organization as well uh, so with the decision-making method, maybe it would be good to start with some um, easier topics. And also with open space technology, you can also also try it out in a half-day meeting around uh, some some not not so uh, difficult topic at the, at the beginning, just just so the leaders get uh, confidence and and trust in the method, and maybe mm-hmm. the facilitator as well. And once that's done, I mean, for, for the participants, they don't need to have any pre-training it's just so simple 
human natural thing to do. So it's just, uh, I mean, both these methods are really, really simple. And that's mm. one of the uh, things that we really try to be uh, aware of, that, that try to feed, find simple structures, methods to lose complex problems. Because if you come with a complex solution to a complex problem, then you, you, you get lost in there, yeah. for sure. Uh, but but the, the the trust of the leadership and the willingness and the to 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 go into this that's really important I think in organizations to start using it. Yeah, and I think you heard you say something earlier about that these are uh, like multiple stakeholder or even systemic uh, methods like that that you want to bring like that, that there's a genuine desire to bring more people to the table and like to to really uh, find new or different perspectives that uh, you know and and. I don't know, I'm just imagining this, but I think also for myself, I've seen like in, in some of the cases when I feel very stuck between two poles, you know, it's usually that's a good sign for me that there, if I could bring more people in or, or ask advice, then I could find maybe a different direction to move in. You know, there's always, there are 360 degrees, uh, you know, it's, it's usually not, uh, not exist, existing just on the horizon, so to say, but I'd rather there are. Yeah, and uh, I just um, wanted to mention that Chris Weaver, who, who uh, uh, the originator of Five to Fold, he 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 did some amazing work in the schools in North Carolina, and uh, he he has had shared several uh, um, examples where where the children were were amongst them when they made quite important decisions, mm. and uh, I mean. There's so much wisdom and so much uh, uh, engagement in our children, and they're so rarely let in. I've, I've worked several times with open spaces, uh, not five to fold. I haven't worked with without my own my own children, which I actually grow up as yeah. well. But but Chris shared many examples of that, and I also seen the same thing happen in open space technology meetings and other co-creative meetings where children have been part. That that it's so beautiful to see how much leadership they show in showing up and taking responsibility and the wisdom that they have. It's just, I get really goosebumps when I think about it. Yeah, that's wonderful. And then the second thing I just wanted to ask to, to finish this off completely, but it's like the, how big can it get? Because you mentioned, you know, 300 people, like two times 150 people. You mentioned 700 people. Like, what's the, does it scale? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. you mentioned your villages in the beginning as well in your statement that villages all yeah. over the world for like this sustainable. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we we've had like there there are examples of of open spaces. For example, there were some open spaces in Canada uh, years back uh, around. There was a lot of discussions around uh, separation from the French and the English speaking Canada. There there were some. A series of open spaces done in different parts of the country. I think there was even simultaneously sometimes as well. So that's one way to handle it. You can have simultaneous open spaces in different places and, mm. and then connect them in different ways. You can see what's happening there and so on. Um, and then actually, I think the biggest one ever that 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 uh, happened uh, was uh, sometime. I, I know there were some in Germany 
with over 2,000 participants, and I think there were even more than 3,000 participants in Colombia. Uh, dear colleague of mine, Peggy Holman, if she facilitated a meeting with street kids in Colombia, which is just a, an amazing story as well. Yeah. Uh, so that, that, it can be really, really big. And, but sometimes you can argue, is it better to have a few few small ones, small, I mean 500, which is a little bit more easy to handle. Uh, and it's just a matter of, of <laughs> so it's just a matter of, 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 of logistics, actually. If I have a meeting of, with 10 people, an open space technology meeting, I do the same thing. If I have like, I'm going to have one now in, in, in spring here with 500 people, I just have to plan a lot more. I just do need to have much more space. Uh, but it's exactly the same setup, and that's that's I think that's a great thing to keep it simple all the time and not to complicate it with a lot of diff, difficult or uh, risky uh, technology and stuff, and to make it really simple. And I actually, as I said, I often mostly still use the flip chart way, and that's mm. quite exotic, right? Uh, uh, nowadays as well, actually, right <laughs> on flip chart, you can draw and you can do stuff. Huh? Then you can do on computers as well and stuff like that, but, but it, sometimes it's just make it as simple as possible. I think that's really good advice. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you so much for this uh, discussion. I, I've been, uh, I feel uh, inspired and and informed and I learned a lot. And if if you would want to direct people to either your your own resources or other resources, or or how they can find you and get in touch if they want to want help, uh, where where should they go? Yeah, I mean, if you're interested to know about open space technology, I think there, there's an international uh, uh, site which is open space uh, open space world dot org, um, and that's. Uh, Space for the international open space community. I have my own website, uh, which is actually not so functioning in English, I think, yet. Uh, it's openspaceconsulting.com. And I actually asked Harrison Owen back in the days when I started my company if I can take that name. And he said, if you promise to open a lot of space everywhere, and I really worked on it for more than 20 years now. So <laughs> he, I, I met him several times and he's been quite happy with what I've done. <laughs> so that's nice. Uh, and then, of course, on LinkedIn, you can find my, me, me on LinkedIn as well, which might be an easy way to connect if you want to connect, connect with me. Thomas Herman. Perfect. I'll get the links up. Yeah, yeah and, and, and of course, the, the Five to Phone website uh, that that Marai and I have just uh, um, finalized, uh, kind of finalized, uh, and it's out there. So it's uh, com. So that's a way to get in and to read about Five to Fold. And uh, we, 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 we are going to do a lot of work around uh, sharing fire to fold more widely in the world the coming year as well now that's the focal point of mine right now beautiful thank you so much thomas this was uh, wonderful thank you amit it's wonderful to meet you 